0: Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everything that you've already done for us. It's nothing that we did on our own. Even when we were unlovable and we were unfaithful, you chose to come down from your throne, a throne in heaven. And you chose to die for people like us, people who didn't even care about you, people who spat at you, and yet you loved us anyways. God, we we sang and we said the words that you satisfy. Everything that we're working towards, you know, it doesn't matter unless it's towards eternity, unless it's towards you. So God, help us fix our affections for the things of this world to be centered on Christ instead. God, forgive us for just working on our own strengths. Everything that we have that is good is from you. Even this day, the Lord made it, and it's good. God, so thank you so much for letting us have worship, letting us have prayer, and just letting us be in this place tonight. We pray your spirit would dwell, and you would touch every single one of our souls tonight. You would meet us where we're at. God, you will, you're you going to minister to every single person in this room, whether we like it or not. So we pray that you would Open our ears to hear. Open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word. And God, no one can come to the Father unless it's through you. So help us to just get to Jesus. We came here for one reason tonight, and we pray that we would find that one reason, and that's you, Lord. We praise your name, Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: I'm just going to read the scripture for us. Um, and it's First Timothy 6 verse 3 to 10, and it starts off by saying, teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teachings that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, Dissensions, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, the, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay.
2: I'll use this one. Thank you, brother. Before we pray, I'm going to add one more announcement. If you missed it on Sunday, uh, that uh, Levi... Rain is with us, uh, J- Gabe and Jerish, uh, Jerish, <laughs> Jerish gave birth um, on Sunday and um, so far baby is, seems healthy and strong, heart, strong heart, uh, but we'll we'll go ahead and pray for them, they're still um, recovering right now and and I'll pray for our evening, but thank you, thank you for reading that, Kalei, we got a good amount of text to work on tonight together, let's pray. Father, we are so needing your presence, we're needing your word, we need you to speak, we need the Holy Spirit to make sense of the things we have read, there are probably a ton of things going on in our minds, a trillion things that we've been feeling probably probably throughout the day, and so to kind of focus in and center ourselves and truly be present in the moment is what we pray for right now. We praise you and thank you for the gift of grace that you've given um, in childbirth with the Brown family. We do ask that you would bless them, Lord, this evening again, that as as rain is developing his body, Lord, you would just continue to grow him um, and, and mold him and shape him and give him good, strong health. We pray for good, solid recovery for our sister Jerish and strength for her and Gabe and Gabe as he... Fathers, his ohana, Lord, Uh, we ask for just an extra portion of grace for them this evening. And for those of us who are here, perhaps those joining online, and maybe even the soul that is listening to this at another time in their journey, we ask that right now, because the Word of God will be read and taught and preached, that it would go out and accomplish. We believe it will accomplish what you desire. We believe it won't return empty. We believe that because the Bible is going to be... Brought tonight, nobody's going to, this time will not be wasted. And so do it, Lord, for your name's sake. And meet all of us in the house where we're at. Minister to all of us, as was prayed already earlier. Do it, Holy Spirit. Every saint, every child of God, every human that's made in your image and likeness, every soul that's here present tonight, strengthen it from Keiki to Kupuna, and everyone in between. We love you, Lord. We love each other. And thanks that we get to come together in the middle of the week and get into the Bible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. That's, all right, let's get into it. Father, keep us alert. Keep us awake. Thank you so much for the observation, the attentiveness. I believe already that your word is speaking to souls. So just do it in full now as we work through this together. Help me to communicate clearly and let your word speak and do what it does. In Christ's name. Amen. So if you were to rate yourself, okay, so think think about yourself. If you rate yourself one to five as a good listener, five being the best listener in the world that you know, and one not, what would you rate yourself? Oh, I, I, was, I, wasn't, expect- <laughs> I wasn't expecting to share. I see all the, the <laughs> things where you're, you know, share with your neighbor. I see ones and twos. Really interesting. Okay, um, humble people. Um, how about if you rate yourself as a learner? Cool, cool. It's funny. I saw a lot of ones and twos for listening, and then a lot of fours and fives for learning. <laughs> hmm. No, no, no. Um, something to think about, though. Think about it like this, though. We are always learning. In in a sense, we're always absorbing. Something, whether it's in a classroom or in our homes, or our circle of friends or our workplaces, information surrounds us every single day, all the time. You wake up learning or absorbing information. If learning learning means to learn um, to understand or grow in knowledge, um, doctrine is always, always coming at us. You wake up, you look at your phone. Information's coming at you. You 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 wake up, the sun rises. You see the sun. You're learning something. It's a sunny day, or you see clouds. There could be a storm. Like there's information that's always always coming at you. I mean, the psalmist will say this: that the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky it proclaims handiwork. That means even creation is teaching doctrine. That's Psalm 19. The point I'm trying to make is that doctrine, doctrine is a bigger, fancier word for teaching. It comes at you and I every single moment of every single day. Now, certain doctrines are more urgent, more important than others. Like who's playing in the Super Bowl might not be as, as important of what war is happening among nations or, you know. Certain doctrines might be more beneficial than others. Sound doctrine may be a matter of what I think the text is saying tonight is a matter of life and death. All of us are being taught something. All the time, ever since you were born. Rain right now is learning something. And that doesn't stop. Children aren't the only spongy ones. Every soul in this room and every soul that's ever existed is soaking up doctrine. The question is, is the doctrine good or bad? If the doctrine's or malig- benevolent or malignant, if the doctrine's true or if the doctrine is false. This letter started off with watch out for bad teachers who teach bad doctrine. Remember that? Chapter one. He's bookending the letter and he's wrapping it up the same way he started. And he's bringing it back home and saying the same thing and going even deeper. Watch out for bad teachers and bad doctrine. You know, growing up, I grew up in this church when I was younger even than you guys here. Um, And I didn't always love learning, but I was learning. I needed to learn to love learning. I think you guys being here on a Wednesday night shows me that you love learning. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. I didn't have the best study habits in school. And in church, in this church, I, I would run away from my Sunday school teachers. Don't get any idea, ideas, kids. I would find all the hiding places when I'd go to the bathroom and stay there until class was pal. Um, anytime a Sunday school teacher would say memory verse time, I would get, uh, I mean, scripture reading, anything like that. The word theology or doctrine, this kind of stuff would scare me as a child. Like, oh, No. <laughs> Oh, boring like honestly but I'm saying that because I thank the Lord so much that God gave me godly parents and Sunday school teachers and pastors who would work hard to teach me anyway teach me the good stuff I needed to hear and learn even if I didn't want it guys this is a big warning tonight and the warning is this Doctrine is important. And if you don't shape up and learn the good stuff, you're going to learn the bad stuff. There's doctrine swirling around this world all the time. You can walk the mall and you're hearing a song play in the background. It's sending a message. You turn the TV on, you see a 30-second commercial, you're getting a message. You're on the phone or you're talking to your friends in a circle, and you may be half listening to them, but you're getting doctrine. You're learning something. And the big thing is, is what, are, what kind of doctrine are you going to let into your heart and mind? You see, I'm so eternally grateful for the people who keep teaching me sound doctrine. This is so important. Our, our, our quality of life, indeed our very souls, is on the line. Our ability to be satisfied in God and him being glorified is on the line. Discerning doctrine, family, is so, so important. That's why we'll pick it up. And Paul says this, teach and, big word, starts with a U, ends with a U. What's the word? Urge. Teach and urge these things. And then we pick it up on his train of thought. You got to teach it, Timothy. But you can't just teach it like a good professor. You got to urge them. You got to preach. You got to put that parent voice in you and say, hey, careful, watch out. That's this word. Teach and urge. Now it goes on, verse 3. These things, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pause there. We're going to work through this slowly. If anyone teaches a different doctrine. Doctrine. Now, Sovereign brought this up in observation. So, to teach hetero didascaleo, to teach a different doctrine, what is he speaking about? Well, what do you think, church? Bring it into context into the letter. What is the doctrine or the teaching that comes from Jesus Christ? That's right, his gospel. To teach something different or contrary to what the apostles taught. The apostles taught that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am. He came and said, I am. I am the one. I'm the one who can save. 2 Timothy two eight, Paul says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. The gospel that Paul preached is the gospel that Jesus came to give. Romans 10.17 says it's the word of Christ that saves. The sound words of Jesus Christ is not just little quotes and principles that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. It's not merely just that. The whole entirety of the sound words of Christ is the good news that he and he alone can save. That Jesus is God. That we are not. That we all have messed up. And therefore, we have a a curse and a condition that needs saving from. It's called our sinfulness, the wrath of God. So that when Christ came and lived perfectly, as Jesus said he would, and he went to the tree, as Jesus said he would, he died and he absorbed the wrath that we deserve. That's the atonement. This is the teachings of Christ. And he didn't stay dead. He actually rose from the grave. Like, just be always blown away by that. He's alive. Jesus is alive tonight and he calls all of us who are now living, repent trust in him, take his righteousness. so on that day when we die, though we die, yet shall we rise. The gospel is the teachings of our word of, of our Lord Jesus Christ and he's saying, if anyone teaches different, I love the word anyone. Really anyone? Yeah, even your best friend. If your best friend teach different? Uh-uh. What about my teacher? If your teacher teaches different? Uh-uh. What about my parents? If your parents teach a different gospel? Uh-uh. Oh, what about my professor? He's really smart. If your professor teaches different? What about my pastor? If your pastor teaches different? If anyone teaches a different doctrine that doesn't agree with the sound words or the gospel of Christ, don't listen. Galatians chapter 1 says this. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you to the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. That's Galatians 1.6. Not that there is another But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel. Now hear what Paul says to the Galatian church. Even if we or an angel, this is anyone, even an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. As we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary, against, attacking, undercutting the one that you've received let him be accursed this is a big word for us tonight you know why because we are such a heavy celebrity culture that makes us so vulnerable that i would i would i would bet that we can even be more influenced by influencers than the inspired word of god be careful if anyone even if your favorite author your favorite pastor-preacher figure. We're such a celebrity-soaked culture that we are quick to listen to anybody. But the word is saying, no, it must not. And here's the first point. Beware of different doctrines that don't agree with the gospel. They don't agree. It does not assent to. It doesn't approach. It doesn't come from. We got to be able to discern that. I don't care if they say they're faith based. I don't even care if the book says it's Christian. The question is does it agree with the gospel? Will it be contrary to grace? Now, Paul goes on. Because he's trying to warn the church, warn Timothy to warn the church. Beware of different doctrines that don't agree with the gospel. And then he says this, and, so the sound words of Christ, the gospel, and the teaching that accords with godliness. Here's the second point. Beware of different doctrines that don't accord with godliness. So if it doesn't agree with the gospel, if it gives a different definition of how one is saved, and if it's not in accord with godliness, what does that mean? Accords with down from, flows from. What is godliness? Godliness in the Greek word, it's holiness. It's piety towards God. It's, it's true reverence and respect. So a different doctrine that doesn't agree with the gospel and doesn't accord with godliness. Hmm. We need to learn to listen well. Is it teaching that truly reverences God? Is it teaching that shows true religious affections and piety that's purely coming from grace received in the gospel? Is it a teaching? Is that YouTube you, inf- you you subscribe to or that favorite podcaster that you listen to all the time, is it teach stuff that's in accord with a godliness, where meaning it's, it's, it's encouraging you to, to do good works that flow from the finished work of Christ? Is it teaching that says, that our righteousness, our right standing with God is by faith? That we are saved by grace? Or does it teach something different? Does it teach a righteousness gained by religion? We need to learn to listen well. What, what, is, what, is, what is teaching that accords with godliness? Well, let's let's put these pieces together. Three chapters prior to this, Paul was speaking about the mystery of godliness. Let me remind us. Turn back. It's just a couple chapters. You may not even need to flip a page. First Timothy chapter 3. Pick it up at verse 15. He says this. I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing you these things so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. That's godliness. Which is the church of the living God. A pillar and buttress of truth. Great indeed. We confess. Now here it is the mystery of godliness. Here's the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh. What's that? The incarnation. This is Christmas. Christmas. Christ came, and he came in flesh, vindicated by the Spirit. What's that? He was declared righteous at the resurrection. He was vindicated. All the false claims that Jesus is not who he says he was was proved wrong at the resurrection. He was seen by angels. He ascended, Acts 1. They saw him. This truly, truly happened, believed on in the world. Redemption, salvation, it's by faith, John 3.16. Taken up in glory, he was glorified and lifted up. This is the mystery of godliness. Let me summarize it for us. Our godliness is being a people shaped by the gospel unto the glory of God. And teachings that don't accord with that, you better watch out for that. You better be super, super keen to catch that. I always tell my son, I say, preachers preach from the, and he'll finish the sentence, the Bible. Preachers preach from what? The Bible. Why? Because it's the Bible that teaches who God is, who we are, our responsibility to him, how you and I are to be saved, and how we are to live as Christians. That's true godliness. True godliness is not this self-righteous piety or religious hoops and ladders that you and I got to climb in order to be right with God. This is the kind of stuff that's being taught by these false teachers. We're going to get to that. You, you and I, we need to be able to discern doctrine so well that you can smell false doctrine. You can just be like, oh. You can be in a church service that calls itself Christian and you can get nauseous because 40 minutes go by and you didn't hear anything of the cross. You didn't hear anything of Jesus. You didn't hear anything of grace or God's wrath and how to escape and how to live by grace unto God. Like, if you and I are in services or you're on a podcast or listening or watching something on TV, can you tell the difference? It's a big question. Because you and I, we're always learning. This stuff is out there, church. It's always been out there. It just tweaks the tune a little bit. It changes the song titles. It has a different catchy chorus from generation to generation. But not just the children. All of us. We need to be careful. We need to be keen. The movies you watch. What's the message really saying? The songs you jam. What's the doctrine behind this? Now, beware of different doctrines that don't agree with the gospel or accord with godliness. And Paul moves on now to not talking about just the doctrine, but the, the people who teach this stuff. Now, I'm going to read a ton of scripture now. And I just want you to kind of get the, get the broad feels of this, okay? Imagine Paul's face as he writes this. That, that's helpful. I do that when I study the Bible. Try to just imagine the writer writing it. Verse 4. So all this this stuff I'm telling you to watch out, this bad doctrine, the teachers, verse 4, he's puffed up with conceit. He understands nothing. He has unhealthy craving for controversy, for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction among people who are depraved in mind, deprived of the truth, and imagining... That godliness is a means of great gain. Paul goes off here. Now if those words kind of flew over your head, let me just give you a little commentary on them. Puffed up with conceit. Extremely proud. on, Vain. Arrogant. Understands nothing. You guys get that one, right? He understands nothing. He's ignorant. So he's arrogant and ignorant. Unhealthy craving. For controversy, I meaning he has a desire to scrap in an unhealthy way. Quarrels about words, argumentative. Local people would say, Brada just likes to chirp. That's the teacher. Produces envy, makes other jealous, strife, slander. Look, look at all these words. It's, it's causing what? War and havoc. Chaos and fighting. Fighting. And it comes from a brain that's depraved and deprived, destroyed, wasted. And here's here's at the end of it, they imagine, they have this thought that godliness, quote-unquote, their version of godliness, is a means of gain. Somehow they teach things that teach, if you're religious, you'll get rich. It's a health, wealth, prosperity type of teaching. Come to God and get all the goodies you want. And if you ain't got your goodies, you probably don't know God. That's out there, church. And it comes in ways that might not be as up front of that, but they can tr- it can trickle in. Why would Paul be so exhaustive and explicit here concerning these kind of teachers? Why does he go so in-depth, right? He doesn't just say, all right, Watch out, and these teachers, they're not the best. He goes off on these guys. I think it's obvious. The point, beware of false teachers for they're dangerous and destructive. You know why, Timothy, you got to ur- teach and urge this? Is These guys are dangerous. And these are precious souls and sheep. And I don't want none of the sheep to be devoured by wolves. I want to love you guys enough to tell you the tough stuff, to watch out for the wolves, so none of us here gets snagged. This stuff can creep in your head and heart so, so quick. It can creep in my head and heart so, so quick. That's why later in 2 Timothy, Paul says this, chapter 3. He says, Timothy, you got to understand something. In the last days, it's going to get tough. Verse 2, people are going to love themselves. They're going to love money. They're going to be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient. He lists a huge list that sounds like this list list of of the false teachers. How do people become like that? How do people become arrogant and abusive and just have an appearance of godliness but deny power? How do people become like the chapter 3 people? Well, you go to chapter 4 in 2 Timothy 4 and it says this. The time's coming when people won't endure sound teaching. They don't want sound doctrine, but here's what they'll do instead. They're going to have itching ears that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You know how you get chapter 3 type of people? It's because they breathe in the chapter 4 kind of doctrine. It's important the kind of doctrine you and I are learning The types of books you're reading is important. The types of sermons you sit and listen to is important. The types of sermons I'm preaching, I don't whip this up in five minutes. I get on my face and my knees, and I dig deep into God's Word, and I say, I don't want to misspeak for you, God. I want to tell them the truth tonight, not false stuff. I can tell you clever, funny, cute, easier stuff, but that may lead you to what Paul's saying, a lot of pangs. Church, this is a huge, huge warning. And I love that our church is having a greater appetite for the Bible. Because if any brother were to get up here and preach to you guys, and they start preaching something that's different, something that smells funny, I know this. We have many members in our church who will be like, oh, no. The Bible says... Now, God forbid we'd ever be a church that would allow such a person into the pulpit. But in here and beyond these walls, church, we need to be able to learn how to be aware of false teachers. Let's not be fooled. Dig in, immerse, plunge yourself, binge on the Bible. You want to binge on something? Binge on the Bible. Throw yourself into good, sound doctrine, the doctrines of grace. Keep going, family. Become a lover of this book. Crave it. We're the pillar and buttress of truth. We must, must be aware of those who are going to try to twist it and distort it. Acts chapter 20, Paul warns the the elders. The reason they're going to do this is they want to draw people, disciples after themselves. It says this, among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples. So we got to watch out. I don't know about you guys. Maybe there are some in the house. I've been in circles where teaching got distorted. Grace, the gospel wasn't preached clearly. And I'm telling you, when Paul says here, the result of that is a lot of boo-boos It's serious. I'm still nursing some of those wounds till today. I don't want that to happen to any of us here. Verse 6. So then he says, but. So there's the negative warning. Watch out for this doctrine that's against the gospel. Doesn't agree with the gospel. Doesn't accord with godliness. Watch out for these Teachers, they're dangerous and destructive. But here, Timothy, godliness, true godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, they were teaching you something that's baloney. They said if you do this, do this, do this, and this, and this, you're going to gain. You're going to get financial security in this life. You're going to become healthy and wealthy. Like, that's the gain they're talking about. It's, it's a worldly gain, a different doctrine. Draws your heart away from God and His goodness, and makes you and I think the lie that this world's where it's at. And Paul now is going to start to know this is true gain. This is where it's at, Timothy. Focus, godliness with contentment. What's that word? Sufficiency. It's like when you at Thanksgiving you ate so much you is what, not ready. No, Auntie pa, pa. good. Thank you, Auntie. No, no, no. Please, no. That's that's satisfied. That's contentment. I'm good. To have godliness with contentment is great gain. It's the megas purismos. It's the greatest source of gain. Content. Content how? Content in what? Who or what makes the Christian content? 2 Corinthians 12 says this. My grace... Is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly as my weakness. So that the power of Christ would rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, Paul says, I am content. Even with weaknesses. Question tonight. Is his grace enough? Are you content this evening? Is his grace enough? Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Well, what do you got, Christian? Read on. I will never leave you or forsake you. Question, is his presence enough? Be content with what? With who? You have Christ. God is with you. Why does Paul say in Philippians 4.11, I've learned in whatever situation, I'm to be content. Notice he had to learn it. If you're, not, if you're discontent tonight, be of courage. Paul was discontent. He needed to learn this contentment. But let's read on. I've learned to be content. I know how to be brought low or how to abound. In any and every circumstance, notice that. In every and any, you can have a lot and be discontent. You can have a little and be discontent. Whether facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What all things? Be content. Hear this. Contentment is being in a place that your heart says, I can through Christ. Question. You tonight, right now, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of whether you got a lot, Or a little, your life is tough or terrific right now. The question is this. Are you content? Are you content in Christ? It's a big question. Easier said than done. Easier said than experienced. But contentment, guys, the Bible is telling us plain and clear, it begins with seeing Christ for who he is. And seeing that you got him. I mean, you have Christ. Here's the point. True godliness is is to be content in the gospel and sees God as the greatest gain. When you see that, I'm telling you, everything, everything, everything changes. John 14, Philip said, Lord, just show us the Father. That's enough for us. We'll be content if we just see the Father. You know what Jesus says? I've been with you so long, and you still don't know me? Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. You see, they're, they're discontent. And Jesus was staring them right in the face. That could be us tonight. You know all the right Christian Sunday school answers to say And you might be cerebrally convinced in your heart that Christ is enough. But in your heart of hearts, you are discontent. You will easily drift into different doctrines because it will tell you something to get what you really want. You will easily be given to wrong doctrines and have this deluded thinking that I'm going to use God to get really what I want. I want a wife. I want a husband. I want money. I want fame. I want status. I want whatever. That's why you spend so much time on your social media. Or that's why you try so hard at work. That's why you serve so hard in church. Because you want actually something else. And God is not enough. He's not it. Therefore, you're discontent But Paul is saying true godliness with contentment. It's so good. You know, I was getting ready to preach this tonight, and I really had to preach to my soul and just really come to a place of like, you are enough, right? Like, this is good. Like, nothing beats this, right? When I'm alone and sitting with him. This is a big question. And I'm praying that we will be awakened to the reality that this world has nothing of real lasting value to offer. All this temporary stuff. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, As we look not to the things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, then temporary. They just come and go. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Christ is eternal. And this is why, when someone who's truly godly has godliness and contentment, they have the ability to say, if we have food and clothing, that's enough for us. You know why? Because they have a lens of grace that's correct. They know, I brought nothing into the world, I can't take anything out, I don't deserve a thing. Everything given under heaven is a gift of grace by God. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve a thing. See, that's sound doctrine. And then you know what's crazy is you wake up in the morning and you just take a breath and you're stoked. Because I'm breathing. You walk to the bathroom and you're blessed. You have a bathroom. You see your family. You look at your children. Even if they're tough, you're blessed. You don't deserve that. You have a lens of sound doctrine that teaches you all of this is grace. I'm so unworthy. I'm content in the gospel. I deserve to be tortured and destroyed forever and ever. And God has redeemed me and saved me and given me more. He who did not spare his only son, how not along with him, he graciously gives us all things. You have a different lens. And Thanksgiving Day, you are thankful you're grateful. You have an attitude of gratitude. Why? Because you have godliness with contentment. And you are not faking it. You're not pretending to be happy. You really are. But it starts at the bottom of your heart that you got God. It's a big question tonight, especially for the longtime church people. Is Christ enough? Are, you, are we satisfied? You see, in closing, as we finish these verses, he's going to come back to the warning. And he does another but turn. So he stops and he says, okay, this is the good stuff. Be content in the gospel. See God as the greatest gain. But, and he goes back, those who desire to be rich. If you start taking your eyes off eternal things and God, and you start thinking, Oh my gosh, I just like to be rich. Note desire to be. If you're rich tonight, if you drove here, you're rich, okay? If you didn't, if you didn't, if you weren't figuring out how you're gonna eat your next meal, you're rich. That's not a sin. Desire to be rich causes us to fall into temptation. The snare to trap. Many chokes senseless and harmful desires, plunges people into ruin and destruction. Love of money is root of all kinds of evil. Notice the words he uses, many, all kind. It's big. It's broad. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Highlight stuff like this. Look at the word desire. I think he says that twice. Notice the word love of craving. What's Paul getting at? Last point. Depraved doctrine creates harmful desires. The real issue, it's a heart issue here. You see that? There's a heart problem with all of us when we were born. Our hearts are idol factories. That's what John Calvin says. Your your heart just wants to want stuff. It's always wanted that. That's why we love toys and pleasures and hobbies and all kinds of stuff. We're bent towards materialism. But something needed to happen. Something needed to change. Something needed to rip our hearts from the, uh, the things of this world and attach it onto the things of the next, onto Christ and God. Now, if you and our, our hearts don't stay uh, attached to God, this is what's going to happen. We're going to desire and crave and want this life. Here's a question. If you gain the whole world tonight, everything you can imagine that you've ever, ever wanted, yet lose God in the process, would that be okay for you? That's a big question. All the pleasure, all the popularity, all the, the, the tricks and toys and gimmicks, everything, if you could have it all and lose God in the process, would that be okay for you? Are you trying to use God to get that stuff, Really? What does your heart, what does your soul really want tonight? That's the question the text is posing. What do you really want for Christmas? Like, what do you really, really want? I'm not saying you can't want a particular thing. But when it's all said and done, what does your heart cry out for? Every moment of your life Where's your treasure? That's another way to ask it. See, Matthew chapter 6 says this. Don't lay up yourselves treasures here. Why? Because over here, there's going to be moth and rust. It's going to bust it all up. People can steal them. Jesus says, lay your treasures in heaven. Why? Because nobody can bust it and take them. It's not going to bust up and rust. That's dope when you think about it. I have treasure that will last forever. I believe that. All the valuables at my home ain't coming with me. Where's your treasure tonight? Jesus says, "Where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be." Also, Matthew sixteen twenty six says this: "What will it profit a man if he gains the world, yet forfeits his souls?" See, false teachers taught that godliness, their interpretation of it, was go get is going to get you good stuff. If you and I sit under teaching like that, immediately detect it, get out of there. Beware. Don't even play with it. It's going to deceive you. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss out on all the good stuff. You're going to miss out on God. I ate dinner with a wealthy man once. He was visiting our church, and he was telling me all sorts of stories of the things that he's done, places he's been, the cars he drives, and that he owns, and we were dialoguing for a good while, and he, we were sharing then life experiences. The, the conversation is short. At the end, he said something to this effect. I wish I had a fraction of the happiness that you have. A fraction of the happiness that you have. You see, all the cars, all the social status, all the titles, popularity, all of that, it's so short-lived. It ain't worth it it's not worth your soul notice that the ultimate issue here is our hearts family there's an idolatry issue in the heart so when you have an idolatry issue in your heart and you hear bad teaching that tells you you can get the stuff guess what you're hooked so what does our heart's want this evening above all else is is if it's anything other than Christ You may be believing a different doctrine, and I'm pleading with you this evening very seriously, repent and turn to the cross of Christ. Why? You're missing out, and God's worthy of you, and he deserves the glory. He's greater. He's greater than whatever you think is good. He is way better. He's the real deal. He's everything your heart could ask for and so much more. He's better than life, says the psalmist. He's holy. There's no one like Jesus. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. My soul sings it. Does your soul sing it? Psalm 73 verse 25, it says this, whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Does your soul sing that for real? And if it doesn't, you've just yet to Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You don't know God's good because you don't get the gospel. That's why these false teachers suck so much. They don't teach the good stuff. Guys, we're saved by grace. We're loved in spite of us. While we're still sinners, he died. You know, everyone in here, I bet my life on this, that you want to have love, feel loved, and be loved. And there's no greater love than the love of God in Christ Jesus. You really want this. You really want Jesus. That's really what you want. It's not this or that. You really want him. And when you have him, this and that is so much more fun. I love surfing because I don't need it. I love work because it doesn't define me. I can enjoy my toys. And I can enjoy the work God's given me. And I can enjoy my church ohana. Because this, I don't need this. This doesn't define me. I am a Christian. I'll sing that to my last day. This is so good. Friends, that's Christianity. It's a beautiful romance. Please, don't believe the lies. Don't dig into false doctrine. Sound doctrine. that saves you, satisfies you, and it glorifies God forever. Children, you're so young right now. And many uh, people will tell you, you have your whole life ahead of you. But I will tell you, you may. Life is short. And if you have a year or 40 or 50, it can be so full and awesome. Because Jesus came to give life and life to the fullest. You want to live it up? Young people, you want to live it up? Then know Christ. Christ. He's so awesome. You will never regret it. That's the word that Paul is bringing tonight. You know what motivates me to be in the book because this whole thing is about doctrine. I don't study to be a scholar and brainy. I'm in love. I hope that we love Bible study because we're in love. Go to him. Let's ask the Lord to guard our hearts from bad teaching and bad desires. But at the same time, plunge ourselves into what's so, so good. He's so good. Amen. Greater theology results in a greater doxology. The more you and I know of him, the more our souls will sing it louder and prouder, sweeter and truer. Let's worship the Lord. Let's pray and sing our way out. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us this space and this place to really reflect on things. Lord, I don't know how much of our hearts this week have been drawn to different doctrines. I don't know how much of us have given our affection more than we should to stuff, toys, earthly treasures, social status, relationship, things of this life. We are thankful for the blessings you've given us, the gifts you've given us, but oh, let it never, ever rival you. To have you, God. To, 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 to be yours and you as ours. What beats that when all this is done and that last trumpet sounds and the bride comes and we are with you? It just says, You'll be our God and we'll be your people. I pray that all of our souls will yearn for that. Father, if there are things that we've been giving our affection to and it's been causing our heart for you to grow cold, turn it around tonight. Set our hearts on fire with a renewed passion and pleasure in your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for heroically saving us on the cross. Now bring us and keep us and walk with us into glory. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: love for your grace be the source of our appetite and the root of our joy keep our hearts forever preaching to us to look at what you lord have done may we be so satisfied by you and you alone in your name amen enjoy the lord